to another Welcome to Pottercast, the official podcast of the Leaky Cauldron. The Leaky Cauldron. The Leaky Cauldron. You hear that, uh? The Leaky Cauldron. And now, Leaky's own, Melissa and Ellie. Welcome to Pretty Phantom. See, there's two P words to make up for last week to podcast number 43. We've got a great show for you today. First of all, I'm, I'm sitting here with John. John is actually in my apartment, which you'll hear more about later, later in the show. Our modcast this week is all about Neville. Our canon conundrums is about why Snape didn't scoop Harry up with him when he fled Hogwarts at the end of the year. We have a, a second edition of our Lumos Limelight. And also... An interesting advertiser. And if you haven't yet gone to Pottercast.com, make sure you do, because John and I have been bopping around New York City, and we took some fun pictures that regular listeners of the show will surely appreciate. Thanks! This podcast is brought to you by Geek2Geek, the online social and dating site for geeks and people who want to meet them. Check them out at gk2gk.com. That's gk, the number two, gk.com. Listening to the news? Again? As if a normal boy cares what's on the news. Hi, everyone. Here are the latest Harry Potter news headlines for you. Back in March, Book Magazine launched a poll for the public to vote on who they think is the greatest living British author. The votes have now all been tallied, and Harry Potter author J.K. Rowling has emerged the winner. Joe got three times the number of votes as second-place author Terry Pratchett. Wow. Congratulations, Joe. Turning to film news now, actress Emma Thompson, who plays Professor Trelawney, was awarded the UK Glamour Woman of the Year Award, where she was named Best Filmmaker. Congratulations, Emma! Also attending these awards was actress Imelda Staunton, who plays Professor Umbridge. The two of them have recently been filming their scenes together for the upcoming Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix movie. We now have some great photos of them at these award ceremonies, including one really cute one of them together, and you can see all of these in our fantastic galleries. Speaking of photos, we saw some new pictures online, reportedly for filming for Order of the Phoenix, of crews out on the River Thames in London. These photos do not appear to show any of the cast members, only unit crews filming out on boats. Well, principal filming for Order of the Phoenix is now on hiatus, so many of the cast members are off doing other events. TLC now has some great photos up of our friends Devin and Stan. Devin, of course, plays Seamus Finnegan, and Stan plays Victor Crumb. These photos were taken when the two of them made a recent trip to Japan. There was also official confirmation now that actor Dan Ratcliffe would indeed be appearing on the comedy show Extras. The new episodes are currently being filmed and will begin airing later this summer. You can see Extras that airs here in the United States on cable channel HBO. Finally, the BBC has now officially announced that several actors from the Harry Potter films would in fact be part of a special celebration for the Queen's 80th birthday party, which is being held at Buckingham Palace on June 25th. Actors Dan Ratcliffe, Emma Watson, Rupert Grint, Matt Lewis and Julie Walters all will be taking part in a special play for the Queen. Before the play, author J.K. Rowling will be reading from Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. The BBC will be broadcasting portions of this event that evening of the 25th, and LeakyNews.com will have video up from this event as soon as possible, so stay tuned. Well, for further information on all these stories, you can always find it at LeakyNews.com, which is updated continually. Have a good week, everyone, and enjoy the show. Welcome to Pottercast number 43. I'm Melissa. Hey, Melissa. Hey, John. This is weird. <laughs> we should Why is it weird? It is weird, Sue, also also with us, <laughs> because uh, Melissa and I are both in the same city, um, apartment, room, actually. Room. 
doing this podcast because we have the Webby Awards on Monday. But we're sitting Woo-hoo! on different beds. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Make sure you, you all got that. Like nothing's <laughs> don't, changed, don't, really. Don't confuse the visual. <laughs> two separate beds. As many of you are want to do. Um, <laughs> yes. What is going on this week other than that? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. There's there's news we, well, just this morning, uh, well, this weekend, I, there were some new photos surfaced now of the crews, the second unit crews filming out on the River Thames for what we think is the chase scene of the flight of the Order of the Phoenix into London. Mm. You can't really tell if there's um, actors there because of the, the pictures aren't very close up, but you can see a crew clearly out there filming. Which is kind of good to know that it's actually happening. Are we sure it's our movie that they're filming? I mean, do they have well, Harry Potter written on their trucks? You know, no. But this is this is this came from a company called the London Taxi Tours, and they go out to different areas specifically where film crews are filming. So somehow they find out they know that the Harry Potter people are going to be here filming. Uh huh. So. But yeah. there's no way that, that it doesn't say Warner Brothers or Harry Potter. There's no big scar. You <laughs> that would know, be awesome. Saying, oh. Big truck with a scar. <laughs> they have like a, yeah. like, like a big cat signal with a lightning bolt in the sky so you know that they're filming there. Well, that was their antenna. Right. No, but now, when you say chase scene in London, there really isn't a chase scene in the book. So right. have they right. made... I mean, there's a, there's a scene where they fly from, from the Dursleys to Grimmauld Place, and then there's a scene where they fly on the Thestrals to the Ministry of Magic. Do we have any idea which this is? No, but I mean, we're just going back to what David Yates said a year ago, almost uh, almost to the date of that he had intent. He wants to have um, a a flight of of wizards on brooms along the river past the landmarks of London. And so we think this is what this is for. We there is no specific. This is from. I mean, we don't know if it's the Thestrals or not. Oh, I don't know how you'd be able to tell, Sue, because I don't know whoever took. The photos of the scene were able to see thrusters or not. I don't know uh, oh, what that that's true. person's Good point. life experience would be. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> or if they even show up in photos. John, does it well, change things at all you know for you what? to see me rolling my eyes at your jokes? <laughs> I does it? I mean, does it add to the experience or take away? I, I think it makes it funnier for me. Oh, good. Yeah. For me, too. That was not. Good. All right. What else is <laughs> up? Yeah, well, you know, speaking of the movie, we did see um, actress Emma Thompson was recently awarded a UK Glamour Women of the Year Award for the Filmmaker of the Year. And also attending the award was Imelda Staunton, who plays Umbridge. Oh. And we have a great photo of those two together. <laughs> and they look like just, I mean, you know, considering who they play, Trelawney and Umbridge, you know, yeah. are mortal enemies. Yeah. And there they are smiling. They just look like they're having a blast. I don't know. From what we hear, she's, just, a, she's doing her... Trelawney's exit scene is supposed to be quite good. <laughs> it's it's she's Emma Thompson in full, you know, in full in full swing. So it sounds like it sounds like it's going to be something. Are she still going to have those huge glasses? I would hope, but we're going to be like, oh, by the way, Trelawney got contact. Oh, maybe she yeah. had a makeover or something. She got sleek easy's like Hermione. She's wearing a nice all, bun all, now. Whoever got to Flitwick that time. <laughs> you know, <laughs> no. They have to put that guy on. Uh, the queer eye for the straight court. wizard. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Which there was a great oh, well, icon. I not. I, there, there was a great icon see about that, that. You know that sherry bottle and her crying, and you know McGonagall come in there. I just, I'm looking forward to that scene. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Just Too bad they don't have peeves. I'm still sort of ticked about that. <sighs> oh. I know. I know when he like wax Mumbridge on the head with you know and oh just so many great things. What do you think's gonna and, take? Peeves' spot to do all of Peeves' stuff. Right and George. 
Wow. Yeah. Yeah, they're having Fred and George's like flight to freedom. I think I'm pretty sure. I don't know. We don't. You can't you know, take that, that out. Well, who who are they gonna have them give hell though? I don't hmm. understand. Well, maybe maybe, maybe just... Dobby will show up and be like, "I'll give him hell, Fred and George." <laughs> Dobby suddenly do goes insane. <laughs> <laughs> Dobby freaks out. <laughs> that would be awesome. With his alcoholic pal Winky. <laughs> That's totally canon. Yeah, yeah John. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so funny. Uh, I'm next counting well, conundrums. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Oh my goodness. That's hilarious. <laughs> John. Well, but the main filming for Order of the Phoenix is on hiatus and our the cast a lot of the cast are out and about and Melissa, you had some great pictures of Devin. He's in Japan. Oh, the with... De- Devin and Stan in Japan. Yeah. Oh, hey. bronze. Um yeah, they're they're going all over the place, and it's it's sort of actually nostalgic for me personally because I was a Japanese exchange student, and I visited really? a lot of the same places. Yeah, and they're uh-huh. at Fukushima. They're playing the koto. I played the koto, and it's just I was like, oh, I've done all that. But anyway, um, really cool to see them going absorbing culture like that, and not just signing things. Yeah, well, they're pretty good friends. Yeah. It looks like vacation for these guys. I I would go yeah, to Japan that- and have lunch with people, and then just hang out for the whole week. That would cool. too. I'm supposed to that, be. Those are some great pictures. Surprised. They just looked hilarious. Yeah, this fun. I like them in the burger joint. Yeah, no. And wearing those the chef hat like Lucy. Yeah. Yeah. It's good to see them having fun. Well, well, they have all those, you know, you know, token American restaurants over there in Japan. Yeah. With all the flags and everything, and the huge burgers. Well, isn't that funny fun. though? They go to Japan and have burgers. I yeah. just think that that just cracks me up. So. Yeah. <laughs> Probably not getting the best That's burgers weird. in England. So. Or Ireland. Yeah, that's true. True. I mean, no offense. I've been there. No. Yeah. Just saying. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> okay. What's what else, Sue? Um. Well, Joe. Um. I, several months ago, uh, there was a new magazine launch called the Book Magazine. Right. And they had a poll for people to vote on who they think is the greatest British author. And no surprise, <laughs> our favorite author, Joe. Pwned everybody oh, else on that poll. She, she cleaned <laughs> up. Yes, yeah, she did. I think in second place was Terry Pratchett came in, and then you know a couple others. But man, Joe just uh, so it, she won. You're my... about to say not Judy Bloom, aren't you? You oh, look. I look. You have to see his face. My, yeah, I was gonna say. You know, it was my second favorite author. Was she? Was she allowed to? Uh, he was about to say it. I saw the N and the yeah. not coming out of, and I said he's gonna say not Judy okay, Bloom, and he just. just I got him. <laughs> All right, just just because I only know the name of just maybe four authors in the world. Yeah, and you know every pretty much person in the library. Really, not so much. Yeah, yeah. you're a card catalog up there. I just know you very well. Redhead card catalog. Yeah, Melissa and Ellie. There's well, gonna be some bad icons. Okay, go ahead. There's just <laughs> please make one. That'd be great. The inanimate Melissa. Thanks, John. Oh, no. You know it's <laughs> right. going to happen now, girl. You know that. Uh, of course it will. <laughs> I just, I'll just have you know that I, I, I've even bought John sheets and pillows and a comforter for oh, his stay. Wow. And I'm going to kick them all out now yeah. <laughs> because he's being mean to me. I've been quite comfortable. Yeah. Oh. Well, and then okay, there's girl. one other thing that I'm just, I almost hate to even bring it up because it was a funny interview, people, was we had an interview with Sir Michael Gambon, who plays, of course, Albus Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, I mean, he was... I was, heard... Yeah, go ahead. Dad, I'm sorry. No? No, I'm sorry. 
Well, I, just that he had said that, you know, he was saying, I, his quote was, I read the scripts and I try to understand the lines and I try to understand, but quite often I don't know what's going on. He was joking around and, and I don't know. Yeah, everybody was so thrilled with him and could understand perfectly. Nobody yeah. had anything bad to say about that. Oh, no, not at all. I didn't even really go into the comments. <laughs> I didn't really. Well, God, I mean, you can't blame the poor guy. They, they gave him his script in Spanish. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. <laughs> if they gave me my script in Spanish, I'd have a hard time making well, it out, too. That's Clovis again. <laughs> Playing little games. <laughs> Clovis likes to just, you know, play around like that. Yeah. I'm really trying to stop myself from throwing a pillow at him right now. <laughs> I'm sitting on my hand. <laughs> It's, just... it's not allowed. Oh my God, Sue! I can't wait to show you the pictures we took yesterday. Oh, <gasps> oh what did you just do? Sue, I want to hear. Online. Well, you no. know your your buddy, um, uh, Rave's brother. Oh yeah, Rave, Rave. who's in a show, oh. has a huge uh, poster of himself out near the theater. Oh, does he? And uh, Melissa and I reenacted. Um, <laughs> The famous Voldemort interview. No way! No way! And I uh, and I reenacted um, a little bit of the graveyard scene. I was just I was just making sure Rafe knew that I could touch him now, and I have the picture to prove it, and it is quite funny. Oh, it's probably up on podcast.com by now, maybe. Yeah, I'm or sure not. Oh seen it by now. my god! Do oh. people like stand and look at you like you were nuts? I mean, that must yeah. just be well, hilarious. Know, what I found most amusing is that I think that there's so many other people in the world like us doing stupid things like that that well, it didn't even phase anybody. They just kind of like, oh, more more people taking pictures. No, where where they did walls. Where they did really look at us was at the Chipotle, but that's another oh, another story. Oh. We have pictures. We have a video of my first Chipotle in about a year. Oh my gosh! I think well, we'll we'll have to save that story for the wrap up. Yeah. yeah. Which we should probably get along. Yes, we should. The next part of the show. Okay. So what's going on? We have a Lumos Limelight interview in this Mm -hmm. show with Edmund Kern. Now, if you're a longtime Leaky reader, Mm -hmm. you know that Dr. Kern has was an interview that we did a long time ago about his book, The Wisdom of Harry Potter, what our favorite hero teaches us about moral choices, Mm -hmm. which is all about stoicism in Harry Potter. It's all very academic, but he makes it very conversational. Um, He is giving a speech at Lumos or a presentation at Lumos about Snape's eyes. And how oh. Snape's eyes could be the key to the entire series. And it's oh. really, really interesting about <laughs> what he's seen one. and the way that they're described. No, it's really cool. And we have a good conversation about that. Cool. In the modcast. What's that, Sue? I believe it's about Neville, right? It's yeah, about Neville. 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 Neville doing stuff. Our boy Neville. Yeah, yeah he's, he's no fun at all. Canon Conundrums is about Snape, Snape. our boy. Yeah, there's a and good why, one about Snape, why, though. I think it's yeah, a really... Yeah, why he didn't just... Why didn't just scoop Harry up with him and take him to Voldemort when he left mm-hmm. in book six? Yeah. I don't think it occurred to him, though. Because Snape's not a very clever guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's a real adult, that Snape, yeah. He's like, come on, get out of here. Now we have to go find Harry. <laughs> Harry's sitting there yelling at him. You come back here. Like, no, we have to go. Mm-hmm. Gotta find Harry. Just didn't click. What kind of look am I giving you right now? (laughs) You know, I'm not going to look because that's cheating. That's cheating. We can't look at each other. It's so I know we can't look at each other. It's so weird. That's cheating. We walk around talking, standing parallel to each other because we're so used to not looking at each other. (laughs) It's It's wrong. Oh, well. Do we miss you? I wish I was there. I'm so sad. I'll talk about it later. But I'm like, I always remember the last time we were all in New York together. And I have to wait another month to see you guys. I'm so bummed. Yeah, but only like a month. 
I know. That's I think true. I still gotta fly by. Yeah. Like the past eight have. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Gonna totally fly by. Okay, then let's go to the rest of the show. Let's okay, move cool. on, because this show's gonna fly by. We keep this up. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. And now, straight from the Leaky Lounge, this week's Modcast. Oh, yeah, we are in Hello, everybody. It's time for another Modcast. This is Jason, known on the forums as the Guru of Sloth. Hi, everybody. This is Doris. And this is Laurie Damaral, on the forums known as a delightful mod called Asphodel Wormwood. And today we're discussing, um, I'm sure we've done Gryffindors before, and we're doing another one. Um, I'm going to get my revenge in another in oh, another no. week, and we'll do lots of Slytherins. But today we're going to be doing, why was Neville sorted into Gryffindor? I think it was the perfect house for him. Um, and he showed his qualities at the end of book one when, you know, as Dumbledore said, you know, standing up to your enemies is one thing, but to stand up to your friends takes so much courage. So I, you know, from that point onwards, I'm like, yes, Neville's a Gryffindor. But quite a few people think, well, why is he? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and it kind of, you know, when I f- hear people say that, it, it it sort of makes me angry. Like, if you're nerdy, you can't be brave. That's sort of the connotation, you know, because he is does sort of have that nerdy quality. He even says that on the lexicon that um, it has ner- his name Neville has nerdy associations, <laughs> and you know, it, it's like if you're a nerd, you can't be brave. It, it, that's the way that I don't know. I just yeah. it's always bothered me that. And it's wonderful that that Joe would do that. That she would give us a character who you know at first glance has all the sort of trappings of um, the nerdy, nervous kind of not good at anything kid but he's really you know he's got this sort of fire in his heart that you know he doesn't quit and he keeps improving himself and he's got you know these qualities that um that really make him special and that his friends and the people who you know he spends time with eventually come to see and he never you know he's i guess it's hard because people see him being afraid of things all the time but that doesn't mean that he's not brave it's no. it's kind of a fine line but i mean he was scared of malfoy in book one because yeah. malfoy was and he was um scared of the he, um when he was outside when Mal, i think it was when malfoy used the leg locker curse on him or something and he's like oh no no don't leave me out here the bloody baron's already been passed twice or something yeah. a lot of people are probably scared of the bloody baron right. and if you're scared of something if you're scared of something but you stand up to it doesn't that make you more brave than if exactly. you weren't scared of, I mean if I'm not scared of something and I do it that doesn't mean I'm brave yeah it's easy it's a piece of cake but yeah. Neville does what he's afraid of that to me is the ultimate bravery absolutely I think that another thing people see that kind of makes them think that he's not Gryffindor quality is is his memory and he does seem to kind of bumble and be a little awkward or socially inept Definitely. And I don't see that as something that precludes you from being a Gryffindor. I, I yeah. don't know. Maybe it's just me. No, I mean, it shouldn't at all. I, I mean, it, you know, there's always this kind of, I guess there can be debate on what makes a true Gryffindor. But, you know, one of the things that you hear again and again is is bravery. And we're used to thinking of it as this kind of reckless, maybe, you know, kind of rah-rah kind of bravery that you might see from like, you know, Harry under times of stress or especially like guys like, you know, the Marauders or Fred and George who are kind of like have this sort of cavalier disregard for, you know, rules and danger and whatnot. You know, that that can be a type of, type of bravery and obviously it is because they're in that house, but it's not the only kind. And 
I think Neville's is a more subtle kind. It, you know, it kind of reminds me of Hermione in a way. Like, you don't really see her bravery until she does something that's sort of against her nature and that's hard for her when she defends, you know, she protects uh, Ron and Harry and takes the fall for them, you know, in a way that is very difficult for her to admit that she broke a rule and to lie to a teacher about it. But Neville's bravery, to me, it's it's a very, he's a very noble person. He's very, you can see him growing up to be a very gentlemanly, quiet, perfect kind of guy for, well, for girls who like that sort of guy. I'm not one of them. In Order of the Phoenix, in the battle, and Neville's injured, and he keeps getting up and trying again. You know, yeah. he's like, he can't, he can't enunciate the incantations because, like, his nose is broken, and he keeps trying. And right. then the main thing is when he tells Harry, don't give them the prophecy. You know, he's so emphatic. He's like, don't give them the prophecy, Harry. Whatever you do, don't do that. Because he knows, you know, he's just... It would be easy to give the prophecy and run away. And, like, yeah. I don't think it's Neville doubts that Harry will do that. He's just, he wants to make sure that everyone can hear that he's not going to give up. He's going to keep fighting. And, you know, especially with Bella around. I, I hope that in the last book, there's that part of me that wants him to show that Gryffindor quality and really, like, stick it to Bella in the end. But how can he show <laughs> Is that Gryffindor? Than he has done, really? I mean, he's shown yeah. like, his bravery has come out. Probably. You know, more insistent than Hermione, because Hermione's like so Ravenclaw, even though she is brave and quite honourable and, you know, chivalric. Whereas Neville is just, he shows it like every time he confronts his fears, he's showing bravery. Like we were saying earlier, you know, the time when he, um, you know, he said, uh, what was it? I'm worth 12 of you, Malfoy. Yeah. You know, it's like he was laughed at for it. Everyone like heckled him for it. But he still said that and he just keeps getting up and going for it. Right. Yeah. Well, and another thing is um, Dumbledore said that Neville visits his grandmother um, during the holidays and he goes to see his parents, even though they don't recognize him. Oh, yeah. Think about but, how hard that must be. Yeah, that has got to be devastating. Your own parents don't recognize you, but he still goes. It's the right thing to do. He's brave to do it. and he's... He loves his parents. Yeah. I mean, the way, um, what's his grandmother's name, Augusta? And she's yeah. like, oh, not now. And like, you know, he takes that gum wrapper. And right. He's like, right. thank you. And like, he knows it, it makes means them happy. so much because he's like, just because they can't talk to me properly and just because they don't recognize me doesn't mean that they don't love me. And he's, he's very perceptive and he's aware of what's going on in his surroundings and he's a very sensitive person. And I think mm-hmm. he understands things like that and that's why he can pick up and react the way he does in certain situations. He knows what's right because he senses all the interactions of people around him and can make judgments thereafter. Yeah. Here's another thing. Think about uh, <clears throat> hadn't he already asked two two girls to the ball before Harry or Ron had plucked up the courage to do anything? And yeah. as a kid that age, that's probably one of the bravest things you can do, especially if you're Neville and you kind of know, you know, he's not like stupid. He he knows that what some people think of him, you know. But he he's like these are these are good good girls that I like, and you know I want to take my best shot and see. Yeah, and it succeeded. So, what does everybody think happened on Neville's very first day at Hogwarts when he sat down on the stool and the sorting hat was placed on his head? Do you think he said, I want to go in Gryffindor? Do you think he said, I don't want to go in Slytherin, like Harry? Or do you think he had a nice ongoing uh, discussion with the hat, or did he just sit there terrified? I can, yeah. I, I don't think the Slytherin thing, like Harry, but I don't know why, I just don't. I see him maybe sitting there th- thinking like, 
boy, if, if I don't get into Gryffindor, like my gran is going to be so disappointed and I'll have yeah. let down my And then the hat said, parents. well, what do you want to do? Mm-hmm. And things like Yeah, because making sure that it was really him that wanted it, not... Not doing it for his, his family. Yeah. Well, and I know that when Hermione sat down, she said that there was the the thought process of, you know, you should be in Ravenclaw. And she's like, no, you know. And I, I wonder, yeah, I wonder if, if at some point he said you know, okay, Hufflepuff might be good for me, but I would prefer to be in, or, or uh, my choice is Gryffindor, because the whole series is about choices. It's hard for me to see him really being forceful at all. Like, the hat might have had to drag something out of him, because I can see him just being there, like, you know, just get this over with, like, yeah. you know, I don't know what to do. Um, but it would be in his heart, because all, yeah. all the qualities of Gryffindor are very heartfelt qualities, you know, being noble of character, being brave, it's all... It's all very sort of deep down, whereas like Slytherin, cunning, that's like in the mind. Mm-hmm. Intelligence and love of learning obviously is in the mind as well as the heart. Um, yeah, that's a good I point. Think, and it obviously... Yeah, I think it would have had to have been dragged out of him. And it obviously did take a while, as we know. Yeah. Uh, do you think he was scared of the sorting, though? Cause, because like Harry knew nothing yeah. about it. Yeah, he was. <laughs> and, and her mom... I think a lot of students would be scared of it because none of them know what's going to happen. And it's, it's a very big decision because McGonagall's already said, you know, your house will be like your family right. whilst you're here. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Neville's so probably like, like, oh no, yeah. <laughs> my family's so it's like, crazy. You, know, fancy, you, know, you see obnoxious people like Malfoy or, or whoever, right. and it's like, oh, what if I end up in the same house as those? Everyone feels like that. It's like you sort of join a new school and you look around. It's like, oh, I hope I'm not in that person's class. Right. <laughs> and so you're, you're, you're always scared and sort of excited at the same time. And then, you know, it's this weird this hat that talks to you. And even if you're like, you know, you've lived in a magical house, that's got to be pretty intimidating. Doris, you were saying something before... Um, gonna, before we started recording about the, the um, inner nerd Neville and Brexit yeah the inner nerd, nerd exactly and yeah yeah you're gonna make me say that no I'm, I'm not <laughs> <laughs> but you should <laughs> no I, I was just gonna but you're just gonna you bring to it up anyway yeah kind of go back into the, I mean that's that's yet and I, I mean I think we already touched around this but well, you know, just to be yourself, like be who you are and yeah. be okay with that. And, and, and be he's, proud of it. he's totally it's happy brave. with it. Yeah, it is. He doesn't try to put on any air to be something that he's not. He's not, you know, I mean, he could in a way try to convince everybody that he is the long bottom and he's that brave and he could, you know, like the second to Harry, but he doesn't. Yeah. He's very, he's very happy with who he is. He's okay with, with himself and and that's he embraces his inner nerd and he goes with it that is that <laughs> embrace in, your inner nerd embrace people. your inner hey that should be a t-shirt it <laughs> it should be um that to me is a huge gryffindor quality he's brave enough to say this is who i am accept me that's awesome i think that's just awesome yeah good old neville yeah i love neville he's awesome he's cool i think we we've said all there is to say on why neville's in gryffindor so um this is me saying we're very very Sunny, lots of sun coming into my room, and that's why I'm very chirpy, even if we are talking about Gryffindorks. Mm. I'm going to say goodbye. And I'm going to say goodbye too, everybody. And it's a very sunny, sunny, happy day here in Texas because we're it talking is. about Gryffindor. Ha! Huh. Ah, it's pouring rain here, but it's still a nice day. Hope you enjoyed listening. We'll talk to you next time. Now it's time for Lumos Limelight, an interview featuring a participant of Lumos 2006. Got a real treat for you today. 
Welcome to the second edition of Lumos Limelight, where we highlight the Lumos 2006 Harry Potter Conference that will take place at the end of July in Las Vegas, Nevada. We're going to highlight the, the people who are making the event so special so that those who are going can get a preview and those who aren't can find out some more about it. I'm here with Dr. Edmund Kern, who is the author of the book, The Wisdom of Harry Potter, What Our Favorite Hero Teaches Us About Moral Choices, which has been the subject of an interview on Leaky before, but we're not going to talk about that today. Today, we're going to talk about the special, very special talk he's giving at Lumos. But first of all, hi, Ed. Hello. Hi. Thanks for having me back. How have you been doing, first of all? I've been doing well. Thank you. So why don't you tell us about how someone like yourself, a professor of history at Lawrence University, becomes a renowned Harry Potter scholar? Well, um, it's a long story, but the simple version is that my, uh, my students made me do it. Um, I specialized in early modern European religious culture, and in particular the history of witchcraft and witchcraft trials. Uh, I teach a course here at Lawrence called Religion, Magic, and Witchcraft in Early Modern Europe. And back in 1998 or 1999, my students began to ask me about uh, the Harry Potter books. And at first, it uh, came as a complete surprise to me, but then I looked into it a little bit, and I thought, oh, this might be something that, that I should you know, at least take a look at. And um, my wife must have heard me talking about this because... That Christmas, she surprised me with uh, the three, uh, with, with the British editions of the first three Harry Potter books, mm-hmm. and uh, she couldn't wait until Christmas to give them to me. And I think I devoured all of the books in about a week or so. Mm-hmm. And then after the holidays, I began to read through them again at a more leisurely pace. And from that point on, I think I was hooked. Um, the connections aren't really necessarily direct between my own research and Harry Potter, but there's enough of the history of witchcraft and magic in there that I think maybe I had a sort of special perspective to bring to the books. Well, your book is about stoicism, which I don't think many people previously attributed to Harry Potter, but you you spoke about how the moral compass in Harry Potter has a lot to do with with stoicism. So can you give us a, a brief sort of summary of where your feelings are on that and have they changed Yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I think people don't think of uh, Harry, at least initially, as a stoic because uh, we have so many stereotypes in our head of, of stoics. Um, someone who's sort of stoical rather than stoic, someone who is yeah. completely unemotional, someone who's completely detached from life. And clearly, Harry and his friends are anything but that. Um, but I think that there's a kind of core to uh, Stoic philosophy that one finds at work in the Harry Potter books, um, particularly, I think, in Harry's portrayal um, as both a victim of circumstance and a hero free to shape his own destiny. And I think that that's one of the core or key aspects, if you will, of Stoicism. The Stoics were strong believers in fate. They thought that there was much in any individual's life that the individual could not control, but the individual could, in fact, choose how to react to events beyond one's control. And so the Stoics, I think, placed a very high value on what we might think of as inner virtue. Um, in other words, one has to respond to circumstances in the best possible way 
even if that response to circumstances means that you might be placing yourself in danger. And so I think that Harry is a sort of updated Stoic, if you will, Mm -hmm. Um, someone who is certainly very emotional, but someone who is able to bring his emotions under control and subordinate them, at least most often, um, to reason, and in particular, to his choices to do the right thing. So I think it's that sense. It's in that sense that Harry is a Stoic. The topic of your talk at Lumos mm-hmm. is on somebody who controls his emotions at times extremely well and ex- at times extremely poorly, and this is That's Snape. Right. You have it's about Snape's eyes, and it's you. Here's your little blurb. I'm going to read it for people. Snape's sure. eyes may be central to unraveling the mysteries of the Harry Potter books. What his eyes see and how he uses them to raise interesting and troubling questions about his own behavior, as well as about his role in helping or hindering Harry's struggle with Voldemort. Working from the assumption that Severus Snape has been reading Harry's mind since he arrived at Hogwarts as a student, this presentation will seek to explain the Potion Master's behavior toward Harry. Reinterpreting his actions in this light, seeing things with his eyes, might answer why he is cruel and unfair to Harry. Does Snape's behavior mask a hidden concern with Harry's safety and welfare, and if so, is he acting morally? Is he? I think so, yes. That's the short version. But I will have to await book seven before I will be absolutely sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that in Severus Snape, J.K. Rowling has created um, not only a complex character, but a truly fascinating character. Um, There was a scene near the beginning of Half-Blood Prince that got me thinking along these lines. Um, Harry has just had his nose bloodied by Malfoy, and Tonks is escorting him back to Hogwarts. And uh, Snape shows up to taunt Harry. And um, Harry is thinking about, you know, how awful it's going to be to uh, walk into the feast, you know, with bloody nose and blood all over his clo- all over his clothes clothes and he thinks to himself gee wouldn't it be great to have in my invisibility cloak right now so he could just sort of sneak in and without looking at him snape simply says to uh, harry uh no potter no cloak this time and i wonder thinking at the time has snape really been reading harry's mind right from the get go and i set off at that point uh, well, not exactly at that point, but shortly thereafter, I set off rereading the series one more time, paying attention to how Snape's eyes are portrayed. And almost every time he appears in a scene, um, his eyes are described, the looks that he give pe- gives people are described, and in particular, uh, as well, the way his looks make Harry feel. And so I got to thinking that there must be something to the way J.K. Rowling has decided to portray Snape, which has got to be a key to the series. Given my interest in the morality of the books, then I began to think a little bit about how, whether or not he might be playing a kind of dual role, shielding from Harry uh, what he is really up to in the fight against Voldemort. Now, I'm not 100% convinced that Snape is going to turn out to be a good guy, but I'm about 90% of the way there. So, as you reread the series with this in mind, you said that you found that almost every time he is described, he's described, his eyes are described. What, That's right. What conclusions have you, have you drawn from that? What was the most surprising thing that you found when you looked back at that? Was there a time when 
is his is the description of his eyes most usually accompanied by one of these strange moments where harry feels like he knows too well what he was thinking that's right i'd say almost all the time not all the time but almost all the time when snape is looking at harry or describing harry's actions snape is describing precisely what harry is thinking or at least he is um describing something that sort of outlines or goes along with what Harry is thinking. One of my favorite examples of this, as a matter of fact, is from Prisoner of Azkaban, where Harry and Ron have been off cavorting in Hogsmeade, even though Harry is supposed to remain in the castle. And Snape goes into a gloating lecture about what Harry has been doing and how while everybody is worried about Harry Potter's safety, Harry is off, you know, um, basically just paying no attention to his own safety whatsoever. And what makes this, I think, particularly powerful is that Snape is actually telling the truth, but it's precisely his telling the truth that is making Harry feel so uncomfortable and that is making Harry actually begin to hate Snape even more. And within a page or two, uh, Remus Lupin tells Harry precisely the same thing, but in a kind of caring and soft-spoken sort of way. Um, and, of course, Harry comes to realize then his errors. And he's sort of trapped because he can't say, it's sort of like telling somebody you've read their diary. He can't say, well, I know because I read your mind and ha. You That's know. right. That's precisely it. Yeah. There's one episode that I haven't been able to figure out entirely. I'm going to give it some serious thought before Lumos to see if I can't add it into my presentation. But when Harry's name comes out of the Goblet of Fire, uh, Snape is accusing Harry of having put his name in there. And that's the one episode where Snape really seems to be out, one of two episodes where Snape really seems to be out of touch with what the truth is, and in particular out of touch with what is happening in Harry's mind. Um, there's one, or two, one of two explanations that I have for this. Either Snape is playing a game because he realizes that Voldemort may already have placed someone in Hogwarts to, uh, to, to trap Harry, or, and I think that this is the more likely explanation, when Snape's own emotions get out of control, He's unable to read Harry's mind. And the other obvious episode of this is at the end of Prisoner of Azkaban, mm. where, you know, Snape is just in a fit because, um, you know, they finally caught Sirius Black and then Sirius escapes. And um, if what I'm saying is true about Snape's ability to read Harry's mind, Snape should know the truth. But he, uh, he uh, at least I surmise, is being blinded by his own emotions at that time, which are overriding his ability to ascertain what Harry is thinking. So as you've gone back through, you, you say that you're almost 100%, you say you're 90% sure that all these things lead, lead you to think that Snape is going to turn out to be a good guy. That's right. How, how did you get there? Well, there are a couple of different ways to answer that. Um, one way is to simply just take the literary approach. I, I think that Rowling has gone to such great lengths to cast Snape as both a good guy and a bad guy 
that, I don't think she would have set himself, I don't think she would have set up Snape as the half-blood prince the way she did in the sixth volume, simply to have Snape turn out to be the bad guy indeed, you know, to be a bad guy indeed. In other words, there's got to be some sort of little hook that's coming. Okay, so that's that's one reason. That's just a hunch. That's sort of the way literature works. She set up this character in a particular way, and there's got to be a twist in the seventh book. He can't just be the bad guy that he was in the sixth book. There's got to be an additional twist. Um, a little bit of textual evidence, though. Um, there are a couple of striking similarities between the way Harry is portrayed in Half-Blood Prince when he's forcing the potion down Dumbledore's throat and the way Snape is portrayed when he is killing Dumbledore. Mm. Um, I forget the precise language, but um, the, the adjectives or adverbs used to describe both Harry and Snape are strikingly similar. It's just that since we're inside of Harry's head, we know why he is feeling this revulsion and hatred, I think is, is what it says. Um, but since we're not inside of Snape's head, that same revulsion and hatred can be read in a very different way. Um, I should look up actually the exact phrases, but I encourage people who are listening to this to go back and compare the two portrayals. Well, I'm um, going to beat you to it because I've got it <laughs> open right here. Snape gazed for a moment at Dumbledore and there was revulsion and, and hatred etched in the harsh lines right. of his face. And that is very similar to the way Harry feels when he is forcing the potion down Dumbledore's throat um, in the previous chapter. And so I think that there's a striking parallel between the two. Well, we're running a little long, so we've got to... Oh, sorry wrap. about no, that. No, it's cool. We gotta, we'll, we'll wrap it up here. And this has been a great preview of the talk on Snape's eyes that's going to take place at Lumos, which I'm going to try and attend. Well, I hope you can make it. And thank you so much, and it's great to talk with you again. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I enjoy every chance I get to talk about Harry. <laughs> well, <laughs> Lumos Lilat number two is finito. See you guys next time. Excellent. Bye-bye. This podcast is brought to you by Geek2Geek, Geek, the online social and dating site for geeks and the people who want to meet them. Geek2Geek Geek was specially designed for people like us. Even the questions are geeky. Check it out at gk2gk.com. That's gk, the number two, gk.com. Be sure to enter group code POTTER. Listeners of Pottercast get special benefits and are able to find other listeners when they check their matches. This question at first glance seems really easy. If you believe that everything that Snape says at Spinner's End is what Snape believes, then I think it was only because Voldemort's not giving him permission to attack Harry yet. But in thinking about this, I keep going back to one thing. Why was Voldemort willing to save Lily Potter? Was it for Snape or Wormtail? If Snape, then I could see him turning on Voldemort after Voldemort killed Lily, and he did not take Potter because he knows how important Potter or Harry is to Voldemort's defeat. But right now, I really think it's because Snape was not given permission to take Harry by Voldemort yet. I think that this could mean one of two things. Either it shows that Snape is not evil because he didn't drag Harry with him back to Voldemort, or it could mean that Voldemort wanted to go after Harry himself. I think that Snape didn't take Harry along with him because he's not bad in the first place. He's not going to take him to Voldemort. But also, if he is a good person, he's not going to take him 
with him, with Draco, because Draco still thinks that he's bad, and I would blow his cover. And of course, Harry would try to kill him if he took him. There's no way that he'd be able to handle him. And um, basically, the whole thing, though, is he's not bad, and he wouldn't take him to Voldemort. I think that Snape knew that Dumbledore and Harry went out the castle together, and so he knew that um, Harry was up there on the tower when he killed Dumbledore, and he knew that as soon as he killed Dumbledore, that the spell that Dumbledore had put on Harry would live. So he wanted to get out of there as fast as possible, I guess, round up all the Death Eaters and escape out of there. I think that's why he didn't take care of Not only did Snape fail to kidnap Harry, but he didn't even fight back against him. He merely deflected Harry's jinxes. So this is one of the reasons I believe that Snape is a good guy. If he were saving Harry for Voldemort, as he told the Death Eaters, so that he could save Harry from them, then he would have brought Harry to Voldemort. But what I'm wondering is what will happen when the Death Eaters tell Voldemort that they could have killed Harry Potter, but for Snape. There's two sides to why Snape didn't grab Harry. Um, I guess if you're on the side that he's good, he didn't grab Harry, obviously, because he is good, and um, it wouldn't make sense him to bring him to the Dark Lord and, and all that, and just made the excuse that the Dark Lord wanted to handle Harry himself. Um, but if he was evil, then maybe the Dark Lord didn't want to have anybody touch him until they were for sure that Dumbledore was completely gone, and Maybe he wanted to make Harry suffer a bit more by taking more people that were kind of close to him and maybe try to convert him to the dark side again. And now it's time for Canon Conundrums featuring special guest Steve Vanderark from the Harry Potter lexicon. Listen in as our panel tries to figure out one specific issue from the Harry Potter canon. Who could possibly figure that out? And we're back. back. In was, unison. That was weird. John and I are going to do this entire canon <laughs> conundrums in unison. I'm leaving. Nice. That would oh, be hard. man. John and I are starting to get that kindred spirit thing going. We are. Yeah, that's, we that's are. what I you would worry, worry, Steve. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not doing any dancing, though. I'll just tell you that. Steve, no. when you start thinking like John, you might have to give up the lexicon. No, I'll make the lexicon explode. No, it's just oh, yeah. more than one. Right. I would It'll have lexicon. Oh. I would have more than one lexicon, and I would have lexicon. 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 There you go. Yeah. yeah. But I'm anyway, back. hey, what are we talking about? I don't know, but I can't uh, wait. Lexicon. We're talking Mr. about Mr. Snape. Snape. You're a tricky one, Mr. Snape. So what's the deal? How come he didn't just? How, how come he didn't just finish it off and, and and drag Harry back to Voldemort and end the whole thing right there? Okay, yeah. well, let, let's set up the thing. Dumbledore, or I mean, Snape has said that repeatedly that no, Harry wasn't to be killed because he is for to be saved for the Dark Lord. That is mm-hmm. the Dark Lord right. to kill him. Mm-hmm. Yet, when Snape had the chance to take him back to his master, supposedly, Voldemort, he did not. He when Harry not. was laying there on the grass, he could have just totally took out and apparated him, and yep. they didn't. Mm-hmm. Well, here's why I think. is because Snape already earned the Death Eater of the Month award 
from from killing Dumbledore. So he's gonna and have if, the special parking spot. Yes, and if he wants to, if he wants to have it for next month, then is when he has to get Harry. He can't do I two see. good Overkill, things in one month. Yeah, good you have things? to spread it out. Good things in Voldemort's eyes, certainly. Okay. Well, so Snape so the is question is, of the month. is he really trying to prevent Harry from going to Voldemort, or has Voldemort a plan for this pre- precise moment in which he must kill Harry? Mm. Well, see, I'm, 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 I'm of the camp that Snape is actually still doing his double trick o- trickser Rui thing, and that he you is think not. Snape is good. Yeah. Well, not, not good, 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 but I don't think that he is going to turn Harry over. To be Whose side I, is he ultimately on? What is going on there? That right. whole scene, what's happening? What, you know, if he's bad, he could be leaving him for a reason. If he's bad, he could have taken him. If he's good, that, that would be why he left him. You know, there's, ah, there's, a, there's two ways to think of it. Yes. On either see, way. People, so. people have heard me talk on this. I talked about this at ASIO, too. And, oh, okay. um, you know, in my whole... My whole feeling on this is that there's only one way that book six makes any sense at all and that is that snape is actually working for dumbledore through the whole thing mm-hmm. you look at it any other way and too many details don't make sense so mm-hmm. you know people know that i feel that way already so basically that's my answer to the question is well a lot more people that, here know so you got to tell them yeah yeah tell us i mean i i think i would i wish i had gotten to hear you yeah. at any of these so i have not so I mean, I'd oh, be talking I about know, 200 people been, in a room as opposed great. to Anyway, but the, the point is that, okay, why, let me give you a classic example, okay? This is the example of, uh, uh, that there's no explanation for this except for if Snape is good, okay? If Dumbledore mm-hmm. knew what was going to happen and knew that Snape was good, okay? And that is that when Dumbledore lands on top of that tower, if he did not know what was going on, if he did not have a clue, he had just said to Harry, I'm going to be okay because I'm with you. He was very weak. He was injured. His one salvation at that point, his one thing that was going to get him through was Harry. He lands on top of that tower. If he had no idea, the very last thing he would do is freeze Harry in place under an invisibility cloak. He would have instead had Harry right there with him. There's no way that he would have done that one action of freezing Harry in place if he didn't know yeah. What was going to well, be that happening. would mean? I'm not convinced. Well, I, you know, it doesn't matter. I'm, well, I'm just telling you, telling you, you know. See, but so, the reason, the so reason, because of that, that then you know, and then we go through the entire rest of the book, and and the only way for everything really well, to make sense, well, the is for reason Snape to be good, the reason that I don't to totally buy, the reason that I don't totally buy into that is because I do believe Dumbledore, while he may not have known everything that was going to happen, is prescient in a way, and so. He may have just known that something was going was going to happen right then with these death eaters that he didn't want Harry to get in the way in. He he knew death eaters were coming. He had no idea Snape was going to barge up. He said he needed Snape, but nobody had gone for him. He had no idea Snape was going to show up at the top of that tower, as far as we know. So there are things that he didn't know about that. He, he didn't if he didn't know specifically everything that was going to happen at the top of that tower. I believe it's totally possible for him to have just said, "I'm something bad's going to happen here." I can, I have to stop Harry from getting hurt, and I have to stop him from getting in the way. Okay, but going back to that to that point when when Snape had the chance to to take Harry with him to go Voldemort, he's right. teaching him. And Steve, you brought this up before. He's like, mm-hmm. you you 
no, and he says, no, um, no um, unforgivable curses for you, Potter, and you'll never do it until you block your mind. I mean, all well, these and, times, and he's telling him to he's telling him not to say the spell words out loud. Yeah. He's telling him to use nonverbal magic. I, I mean, he I says just, it in the form of a taunt, but that's what he's doing. Yeah. But playing devil's advocate, is he just boasting that he knows Harry will never... And then Joe said something interesting. I was I was re-listening to the, the interview, and she said something so interesting. I can't believe I missed it. She said that Harry has given up on occlumency, at least trying to be successful at occlumency. And she said specifically, at least trying. And I'm like, huh. And it makes me think that he is now totally... This is another kind of conundrum, but he's totally... Mm-hmm. That he's just going to accidentally do it at the right time in book seven. I, you know, I just keep going back to that that whole. I have must now now I have picked up the book again and I keep I am rereading it and I keep rereading this whole chapter that flight of the prince over and over because that just amazes me. And then Hagrid is there, right? When all mm-hmm. this is when Snape is going on. Mm-hmm. I mean, was was Snape aware of that? That you mean. He, that Hagrid was that close? I don't know. And then Buckbeak comes out. That's when H- Buckbeak comes out, which I love that mm-hmm. scene. That he comes mm-hmm. out and just ah, mm-hmm. gets on him. Mm-hmm. It's great. Well, I think, honestly, I think the only way to look at it is that Snape, even in that horrible moment, knowing what he had done, what he had to do, knowing that he was doing it because he was supposed to, but how horrible a thing it was. That's why Harry accuses him from being a coward. He says, don't call me that. You have no idea what I am doing here and how hard right. I'm having to work. Fine. And even now, even in this most horrible of moments, I'm going to I'm going to do what I can to to help you. And you know? again, playing devil's advocate, is he saying don't call me coward because he's a snivelly little ass who cannot stand being called a coward? Like, you know, there, yeah. there's an opposing answer to everything. Sure. And even though if I had to pick right now, I would say that he was good. I still oh, I'm so on the fence. It's ridiculous. And she wrote that so cleverly. I mean, just so, so. You can read it so ambiguously both ways, and it's just so good. God, <laughs> can you imagine? Know. Imagine Jim Dale and so and, and Stephen Fry getting to that part and having to figure out how to oh read it out gosh. loud. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and do you I'm know kind of looking thing... at that and saying, "Okay, give me Joe's number. I got to ask her something." Uh-huh. Uh, they do that. Well, I mean, do you think we'll have uh, book seven before we have film film number six? Yes, I hope so. Yeah, it'd be pretty funny if we so. didn't though. And, Alan Rickman had to mm. figure out how to play that scene. Oh, Alan Rickman yeah. knows. He knows. He knows. Mm-hmm. That's why That's he's why not it, doing interviews. That's why he won't right? do interviews. Uh, so, so, you know, can you imagine we ought to get him on here? So, <laughs> oh, what do you think? We just have to stop Sue squeeing. Well, you know? We'd have to have yeah. Sue take him out for drinks if we wanted to get any kind of answers <laughs> out of him. I'd do it, baby. <laughs> I'd do it. <laughs> so, everything. <laughs> Why oh, did you leave Daniel laying there? Why didn't you pick him up and drag him off to race? It was in the script. <laughs> and But, you know, that'll be interesting, too, though. I mean, to see how they, of course, we'll have the answer by them, but how they write that scene and how that mm-hmm. whole scene is filmed. I mean, that'll just be well, really... Is it, is it all just that it was such a rush and there were so many, there was so many running and he just would have slowed him down and it would have been this and that, and you just ha- he was just mm-hmm. so focused on getting out of Dodge that, screw it, leave, leave the kid there. What you are know? running yeah. away from? The, all the horrors and stuff. I mean, all the you know, close actually, by. actually no, is, there's nobody there but Harry and yeah, well, but he people didn't know are close by. They still are in Hogwarts. They still are he, running. He they still are running off Hogwarts. They're not like sauntering off Hogwarts. They right. know that people are close by. You know, right? He knows the know. order is there because I mean, they, he knew Flitwick was there. He knew Snape knew that the order. So why is didn't in, he? In why didn't he just? Mm-hmm. 
blast a spell at Harry and knock him out. Don't know. You know? Went out of his way if, to knock him out. If he's bad and if you're right that he's that he just didn't have time to do the grab him and apparate thing or whatever, so uh-huh. he should have just blasted him, just knocked him out or yeah. something. I mean, But even that you have to instead, think Instead, he's got, still... no, let's have a little lesson in nonverbal magic. I got nothing One better more to do time. right now. One yeah. more no, time. No, it makes, it makes no sense. Well, yeah, it does if you it think does, that he's if, good. If he's good. Yeah. No. See? No. Yeah. Absolutely not. If, if, if I think that he's bad, then I think he takes every opportunity to boast and he takes every opportunity to yell and he takes everybody and he gets called a coward and can't stand it and so has to scream not. To. I mean, I could find a, a reason for, for him being bad also making sense there if I look for not one the same one, way if you, you look for it. one. Not a good one in your estimation, but I think it's fine. <laughs> I think it fits with Snape. With a bad Snape, absolutely. It's not one John, that I'm satisfied with. I've always been on the Snape is good side. I want to make it clear. I'm not on okay, any right, side right, right now. No, 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 I said no, five just, minutes ago no, that if no, I had to pick right now, I would say good. Here. So it's me and John. Okay. Sue, so whose side are you on? Oh, I, I've, I, I believe that Snape is good. I mean, so I just, it's it's yeah, Sue and John I'm... and Steve against Melissa right now. You guys need to get your ears clean. Uh, five minutes ago, I said that if I had to pick at this we're moment, we're winning, aren't we? Are he'd be good. Think. She I'm did winning. say that. No, she did say that I earlier. I did say that. I mean, yeah, my she God. Did. Well, it makes for a more interesting but canon conclusion She's playing devil's advocate because... I'm playing devil's well, advocate because if we all sat here and agreed, it would stink. It would yeah. bore. And, and there are some... Deli- there are some ambiguity... Am- I can't... Ambiguities. Thank you. Big words. I mean, just Tim's. don't work. But I, <laughs> I know. They don't. Um. Anyway, <laughs> the, the, so there's so many ways that you could see that he is bad you know and and i think that's good of melissa to point this out because we just we just well the the, we the, can, the, the fandom is completely divided over this right. so we can't uh. we can't sit here and be like well we think he's good so that's right. it well and you, <laughs> you know, know okay I, I, kidding aside you're right it can be read either way and that is really a tribute to I, once again we're looking at a brilliant writer, somebody who is capable of mm-hmm. putting together a scene where, just like in the in the very first scene of Philosopher's Stone, you get to the end, you think you know everything. It, it seems like everything's there until you start thinking about it, and you realize that you don't know anything. Well, it's the same thing. We have this tremendous battle. It feels like we've seen the whole thing. It's exciting. It's wonderful. And then, I mean, we've sat there, tried to analyze this battle. Half the characters don't even have names. You can't even tell who's big blonde. You, we don't even yeah. know who these people are. You know, these are unnamed Death Eaters. And, I mean, by the end of it, we're not even sure what happened. She is so good at writing this stuff that she, she, she just leaves us hanging. We just have no idea. So I'm, I'm, I like to tease you, but, mm. uh, Melissa, but I think you're absolutely right. We can't say for 100% sure, even it's though so you know, I'm pretty sure air. I'm right. But. No. Yeah, I mean, I, I would be, I'm going to need some convincing that he is not, that he is totally evil. You know, but we have a whole book left, so yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, should we wrap? What do you guys? What's your final verdict on why that he didn't take Harry with him? Because he's good. Steve? Because he's he is not good. Yeah, I would never say Snape is good because I'm a Snape loather and everybody knows it. But Snape is in his own twisted kind of honor an honorable man. Snape is Dumbledore's man in along with a whole lot of baggage, but he is. And that's why he didn't take Harry with him. And he spent his last couple of minutes before he took off giving Harry one last piece of advice yet to try to help him out. That's what I think. Wow. Well, I'll say that I think the advice giving isn't so much him being good as him being... There's a mixture of boast in there. There's a mixture of 
I'm just going to show you who's boss still. There's, you know, he's not being totally altruistic, but I do think that he left him there to protect him, that he left him there, that he, he saved him from being taken as opposed to just missed his chance to take him. Yeah. So, John, if I can, if I can wrap up for you, since uh, since I just think that that would uh, that would probably I think because you're on my team, see, I would say that you are probably would say that you agree that Snape is probably good, and that's why he left Harry laying there on the ground. I think that Snape deliberately left him there. While I think the the idea that he that Voldemort has a, a plan for him that he has to be taken at a certain time is very interesting and very intriguing. I can see that possibility, but I truly believe that Snape was is is doing his best to try and help protect Harry. As odd as that seems, I really believe that he is good for lack of better phrasing. Well, that's uh next time uh, tune in for Canon Conundrums uh We've got a wonderful discussion. We're going to be talking about one of our favorite characters, and that would be good old Neville. And we're going to talk about Neville, and is he, uh, is he under an, a memory charm because of what happened with his parents? Uh, is that affecting his memory? And boy, I hope we also get a chance to talk about Trevor because I love Trevor. So uh, next time, that's what we'll be talking about. Uh, uh, take care. It's the wrap-up. Yay! Hey. <laughs> we always get so happy for our own no, wrap-up. You do. You do. We just sort of follow along. Yeah, yeah. well, it means it's another week down. Yay! Uh, no, no, I, uh, one more week closer to 50. One more week closer to Vegas. 50. That's 50 right. Vegas. Mm-hmm. 43. Eesh. DC 50. Hey, I, I've changed rooms. Oh, good. Yes. I, got, I got sick of John. Yeah, <laughs> it is, it's a crying shame, you know. It's gonna make for a long weekend, huh? <laughs> <laughs> weekend, yeah. And then, and then forget about it. we got a whole two weeks in the end of July and the first week of, I know. of August. I know. Yeah, this, this is just practice. This yeah. is just getting we're, warmed up here. We're trying to coexist, but usually it's just our voices. Yeah. Yeah, I just can't wait for when we all come back here. When we, when uh, when Joe's in town, you know, we have to cram. Um, Six more uh, boys in here from MuggleNet, <laughs> and and Joe and Neil. I don't know where we're gonna put them. Oh man, all those dirty socks. That's gonna be something. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so how did you get the dirty socks from there? I don't know. Just Joe, socks. He likes a pair of socks. socks. That's what you I know, heard. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I heard Joe, when, and, Joe likes uh, socks. Joe likes to pair of socks. He does a stress reliever. Oh, that's well, good. We'll put it to work as a laundress. Okay. Yeah, there you go. Oh, no. It's just, <laughs> just, just got kids. They have, well, they wear socks. Uh, uh, or maybe Joe's kids don't have to wear socks. Oh. Because know. they're rich? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> their feet don't, don't require socks. So forget that okay. Scotland winners, you know. Don't need socks to stay warm. Not at all. Exactly. That's true. So, okay, New York, man. You guys are going to New the York. Staten Island thing, and you're just yes. busy. Very right? shortly, we'll be going to the Staten Island Children's Museum. Oh, to yes. Do and we all know how much I love museums. <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> touching. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> John! <laughs> She's mean to me, Sue. And when you're mean to the person who you're staying with, it's not I'm not being mean. You can't Uh see me anymore. You can't see my smile. (laughs) You can't see my scowl. Oh, of course. When when are you not scowling at me? Well... (laughs) 
Oh, yeah. Well, it's just so nice of Melissa to take me to the Children's Museum, and I, I promised her I'd take her to the Chipotle Museum. Wait, you- <laughs> afterwards. Uh-huh. But speaking of Chipotle, I want to hear this story. What? How was that? John about? did an instructional video on how to eat a Chipotle. Well, it just kind of happened that way. It's just funny because it's the, you know, again with the magic of of Chipotle. We're driving around the city and we're trying to find the theater that we're going to be seeing a show at later. And then we're like, okay, well, we got to go down to 34th Street and find the Chipotle. So we turn around the car, mm-hmm. and lo and behold, what are we smack <laughs> running to? What's the one wondering to Another Chipotle <laughs> on, like, oh, 34th right Street. There. Wow. It, I just happened to pick that street to turn down. There yeah. it was. It was like it moved for us. It was yeah, karma. Magic. And, and, and so I figured because we have to go to every Chipotle in the city anyway, we might as well stop oh at this my, one first. Oh, my God. I have so. <laughs> no. So. No. And then I'm videotaping him. <laughs> You'll see. Yes. I'm videotaping him going up to the counter and trying to videotape him ordering his burrito at the same time as they're asking me what I want. And so oh. I'm trying to talk to the lady, and that you'll, you'll hear it on the video. It's just a mess. It's just a mess. It was a good time. And then but he kept so, making me laugh while I was eating. How was yeah. it, though? Did it taste good? I mean, how was it? Oh, you know, it's just as good as you could have ever, ever wanted for your first burrito in 11 months. It's the best first burrito in 11 months you've ever had. Yeah, it's the best one I've ever had in 11 months. He's not even mad for beating. For, he's not even mad at me for beating him to that because he just agreed. Yeah. No, I'm just. I'm so just in, still in a, a blissful reflection of the day. <laughs> but we saw a great show and we went to a great restaurant downtown and. Girl, it's all in preparation for a Monday at the Big Whoopie thing. Yes. Yeah. Oh, man. Now, Prince. Oh, I know. You have to go, like, talk to him or something. At least, like, swipe a napkin from his table or something. I don't know. What do we say? Hey, guy, oh, our fans voted for us more than you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, pity you don't have enough fans, No, Prince. that's crazy. They just haven't all signed up for his, for his Oh, thing. no, that's the thing. See, if Prince wrote in a song, hey, you know, Prince, Prince, Prince. Prince. You know, 1999, vote for me on the Webbies. See, then, then he would have won. <laughs> he would have. You know? But, see, he doesn't really communicate that way with his fans. Like, we communicate directly on the site, you know? But we, l- we lucked out then that we were able to be put in a category with such a, with such a huge... Yeah. Oh, I such know. Such a huge... Oh, such a huge... But, man, all this... Get out of here! He's Prince! I'll kiss him all I want! He's Prince! <laughs> He's not listening. There's even a whole song <laughs> about yeah. kissing. <laughs> He's not listening. Yeah, John, I dare you to go up to him on Monday and go... No, you know what I told him is that... I didn't tell him anything, obviously. <laughs> but what I really would really, really want to do... I think I said this last week, is that I, I want to wear the exact same outfit Prince is wearing. Oh, God. Just to see what he would do to me. It's going to be purple, because I bet. And I could, be I, I, could, I could guarantee he's the kind of guy who would get really ticked off if somebody was wearing the same outfit yeah. as he is. So are you gonna, you're all prepared, though? You're going to be wearing a suit and looking fine? You're all set to go? I got my Slytherin tie in the mail, baby. Al Rockman sent it to us. Straight wow. direct for him. <laughs> I love I love Sue's feigned um, rock on at the Slytherin tie mention. Yeah. Because it's like the most evil <laughs> item oh, anybody oh, could possible order. Speaking of Slytherin, oh my gosh, Sue, you're going to love this. Okay. We had dinner last night with Hot Cheryl. Oh, okay. come on. Now. No, 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 no. This story. Oh. no, no, no. Listen, listen, listen. So we're sitting. Uh, Hot Cheryl. Okay, let's, she's an editor on the books, on the, on the Harry Potter books. She's going to be on the show eventually. A, a darn hot one, too. <laughs> and we're sitting and having dinner, and I asked Cheryl to tell me what house she thought that John belonged in. <gasps> and why don't no. you take a guess what she said? Oh, Hufflepuff. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, no. 
thought you said it was the hot guy house. So I could, <laughs> oh, if you want to put me in the hot guy house, we that's are. all right, Hufflepuffs Cheryl. Hufflepuffs are I've, hot, baby. That H is I thought it was yeah. great. I thought it was great. So there, that, that's one step closer to Joe thinking John is a Hufflepuff. That's I'm telling it. you, Joe's going to talk I'll about let, Hufflepuff. I'll let Joe decide that for herself. I bet she will. And yeah. then he can't ever say he's anything else. That's right, and you can't be dogging on the house anymore, so that'll be great. I never dog on the house, <laughs> dude. Roll tape. <laughs> Roll tape. <laughs> Let's go to John, the audio tape. <laughs> I want to hear the John Loves Hufflepuff highlight reel. Oh, I, I bet Kyrene just started it right now. I bet she did. <laughs> okay. Well, anything else about Harry Potter we can talk about on the segment of the Harry Potter show? Well, this is the part with the drums. This is the segment oh, of the right. Harry Potter show where there isn't really anything. Right. About, oh. Well, you guys are going to have such a great time, and you gotta, you've got you been practicing, right? The speech? We're all... Yes. 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 Okay. We have our speech. It was okay. never... Good stuff. Because nobody's gonna look at us strange after we say that. No, of course not. Well, now see the the beauty the beauty of it is is that Melissa will have to do it by herself. Yeah, they're only allowed one person on stage. You know what if what if we like got it like one of those horse costumes. What? Where like she could be at the front. <laughs> and what end back. are you gonna be, John? I, I, I don't mind being the bottom end. That's just, John, like, always trying to make us look like asses. I know. Oh. Bing. No, but see, it'd be one person at that point, or it'd be one, it'd be one thing. It'd be one horse, John. Yeah, <laughs> one horse cree. Oh, 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 da da da. Well, I also have to say to everybody. Um, that has been sending things to the P.O. Box because this is the oh. first time that I have seen all those things. And that is very sweet of all of you, even even in sending things for fun and to be funny. Yeah. All the little presents. We got a little... That remember are, that we asked for a Corvette on our 40th birthday? Uh, oh, right. Yes. Yeah. That somebody sent us a little toy Corvette. A no. little, a little hot, hot Wheels. A little toy Hot Wheels. <laughs> it says happy 40th. John very thoughtful. His, but people have sent amazing things, and it's so much. It's just so nice. We have no idea why you do it, but it's. Yeah, really nice. well, coming coming soon to podcast.com will be a page that uh, we will um, scan and take pictures or whatever oh, of, uh, of all the little fun things that come in there. The probably not even the most memorable. Just probably everything. Just just so we can somehow do a thank you. Well, for instance, I have a stack of Chipotle cards next to me, uh-huh. which are stack. probably the most. Beautiful stack I've seen all weekend. Sorry, Melissa. We're gonna, we're gonna. Uh, oh, John. What? John. <laughs> what did I say? Oh, bull! Listen to you. Oh, you're bad. That's I, I, I can't believe. I was. The words. Let's stop that joke before it went further. Were not even out of my mouth, and you so, did too it. Quick, I'm too quick for you. <laughs> oh boy. man. That's just, that's just wrong. <laughs> You're sleeping on the street, my friend. Maybe yeah. we ought to get out of here. Yeah, yeah I, I think, think we so. should. I think we should because because John has to run for me right <laughs> now. I, yeah. I could do. I could, I could roll down your hill outside here. That's right. I do live on a hill. Melissa okay, lives on a, on a 50 degree incline. I do. That's cool. I do. It's, you, I have to, the best part is getting out of my car and you parked on it because the door comes back and smacks you. Oh, it's not yeah. painful at all. Not too yeah. much. And I bet it's a lot of fun in the winter, too, with that ice. Lots of fun. That's what I said. I want to sled down there, except you, that you, you know are in the incoming be, traffic. You know it's going to be a lot of fun, like John said. How many potter casters and muggle casters can we fit in this place come August? Yes. <laughs> August, we'll when it won't it. be warm in here at all. 
No. And it, it, especially when I give out the address to all the fans so they can come no. over and hang out. No. Yeah, John. You do that. <laughs> Start running now. <laughs> that, yeah. wouldn't, that wouldn't be wise for me. They will. They wouldn't go. They wouldn't all come out to Staten Island. It's too hard to find. <laughs> oh. Okay. We, we're gonna be late to okay. our thing. Okay. All right. Well, you guys have fun, and I want to hear all about it. I wish I was there with you guys. I'll, I'll take pictures of Melissa being, you know, smart lady Melissa with all these kids. Smart lady Melissa. Yeah. Thanks, John. <laughs> Melissa, Mister Calling to be a teacher or something. Doctor. Well, it wasn't my calling. Just go! You're wasting time! That's important. Let's go. Okay. Okay. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. <laughs> You're wasting time! <laughs> Get out of here. You're wasting time. We need a new one. Yeah. Why? Because it's getting boring. You're, Just go! How dare you? You're Hermione's time. getting boring. Well, that clip. It's like, I confess myself. We're never getting rid of that one. So, um, Did this you is do still Chrissy the fourth on? week without Dobby is free. I know. Come on, editors, what you I doing? It's an outrage. It's a scandal. And <laughs> it's not a podcast without a. It's the first time you said it this whole show, I John. Know. I'm just so distracted. I got cameras on me now. It's like, I see, no, know. no one, no one knows that when every time, every time I say dollish, I I do a handstand. So. Oh, oh God. <laughs> Dollish aerobics? What? Yeah, see, so now no one will ever know because um, the video didn't catch the Dollish. Oh. So there you go. <laughs> and right. that's the end of the Dollish for today. Okay. Oh, come on then. Let's not wait for the grass to grow. Okay. I'll see you later. <laughs> Bye, everyone. <laughs> Blimey, is that the time? Sorry, Harry, I'm going to have to leave you. All right. Let's go. Dobby is free. Oh, and about time too. We've missed it. I confess myself disappointed. Now, if you don't mind, I'm going to bed. Great, Scott. No wonder. Look at the time. We've been here nearly four hours. Spooky how the time flies when one's having fun. (laughs) 